Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Terrorism. What about the quiet racism? Dividing among ourselves. Somebody's crying for help. Heaven is listening. Thank you, Rihanna. Wow. Welcome to the Abusement Press Show. We're live right now. I have my friend, Dr. Earl of Furry Hutchinson. I call him doctor because I, he is definitely one of the elders. He has the Ph.D. in blackology because he is the one we go to when we have problems in the hood, in the, in the community, nationwide, the black communities. We, we go to him because he's our elder. So he and I have been communicating via Facebook on uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg and the uh, fact that this man is saying some things that we should be listening to. So mm-hmm. I wore a red hat three years ago uh, when uh, there was a campaign saying, make America great again. I was definitely against certain politicians who all went up to the community and say, support us, we're going to do different. So we had a guy who came out and said, hey, listen, black people, <laughs> what, what you have to lose? <laughs> so I decided to contact the elder, uh, Dr. Hutchinson. What do you think? Do you think we lost anything? Do you think we gained anything uh, by having uh, Trump and the the, the 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 White House turn into a, a circus? What do you think? Well, <laughs> well, first of all, uh, Mr. Guillory, thank you. You know, it's always good talking with you and, you know, your audience. And my hat's off to you. You know, you're on the front line. You're out there. And you are definitely blunt talk. And not only blunt, blunt talk, but more importantly, blunt action. So my hat's off to you, and I appreciate that. As far as Trump goes, we have, yes, three and a half years of this fellow. And one thing has been clear. He's done pretty much what he said he was going to do. He said basically that um, as far as taking back or making America great, in his vision, it meant basically putting white, rich, very conservative folk back in business. Yes, I know he talks, you know, a lot of populism about trade and jobs and so forth. But at the end of the day, when you look at his policies, it's benefited not, you know, the the very, very poor, the very downtrodden white working class and blue collar and farm people, even though that's his base, certainly a large extent of it. So I guess really the challenge is now not looking backward, but looking forward. We got the prospect of four more years, possibly, of this fellow. What does that mean? Will we see more of the same? Will we see more of the division, polarization, 
pandering and appealing to the basis elements, almost always basically based on race. Um, bashing women, bashing African Americans, bashing Hispanics, bashing immigrants, and essentially retrograde policies in all the areas uh, education, needless to say, healthcare, um, immigration, and just about anything else you can think of that benefits people of color and especially African Americans. So, you know, it's a big job. But, Bishop Guillory, let me say this. Um, if we had this conversation, say, oh, three or four months ago, I might have been much more optimistic. I would have said then, I think the chances are very good we get rid of him. I'm not so sure now, Bishop Guillory, based on what I've seen over the last um, couple of months, and I'm talking now about the Democrat pack of Democratic candidates. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, if I could just take a second looking at them and assessing them, if the election were held today, I'm not sure I see any Democrat that can beat Trump right now. It's hard beating the sitting president and incumbent, as you know, even in the best of times or worst of times. But you also have to bring something to the table. You have to bring a vision, something positive, something pragmatic that people can relate to and not just name-calling, finger-pointing, and bashing. That's not enough. So, again, Bishop Guillory, I, you know, at this point in time, I have to say this. Things look very problematic. When you look at uh, Mayor Mike Bloomberg, a person who's cut a pretty much uh, some of the same cloth, it takes, a, <laughs> it takes a, a guy from New York to be the guy from New York. So I know. I, you know, when, when I heard them, when I heard uh, uh, Warren jump on him, and she whooped him like Kamala Harris did uh, Biden, and you could see the, the shock in his face was the same shock that was in Biden's face. Wait a minute. I thought we were on the same team. I thought, no, these people would eat their own kids. And I keep telling people, I say, listen, how can they help you when they're not helping themselves? I'm what? very, very, you know, when I go to a Democratic uh, event, they always say he's the Republican or he's the black Republican. And I'll tell them, I said, why should I sit here and fight with you guys over a penny when we can go to another table and discuss mutual beneficial uh, policies that could change and help our community? See, to fight and argue with the same people about the same thing, you know, I, 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 to, to be honest with you, I'm embarrassed that African Americans are fighting with illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to even be fighting for jobs, for education, uh, for, for anything. For you to be in a situation where you're so far behind when the grandparents and the grandparents' grandparents used to say, baby, get you an education. Why are you stuck back in the dark age fighting with an illegal immigrant that just came over the border? We need to we need to we need different leaders. And you and I have never had an argument about our leadership in the black community because no. you know, I I look at them and I see when they're at the table, there's a whole lot of me, my and I right. being discussed. Not our community, because community looks the same. Except for many if of not worse. If not worse. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys are coming out now, but you know what, what was different? This was the first Democrat debate that African Americans was a theme. Yeah. Even more so than the illegal yep. immigrants and the and, 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 and yep. water and the, and the, and the uh, wall. Yeah, stop right. the frick. Uh, 
prison reform, uh, welfare, uh, all section. I mean, they was talking about black people. I think that somebody told them, whoever the black people go with, that's probably who's going to win. So I, I, I know you're busy. I know you. I know you. Anything you got to say? Because I know you, you got. You're going to an event right now. What do you got to say? Because we're going to have to rekindle this conversation at another time. But what, yeah, what well, well, Bishop Guillory, yeah. But you know, in, in the few minutes um, you know left, I do want to piggyback on something you said. Actually, a couple of things. Back on the Democratic candidates, you said a second ago they'll eat their own kids. We saw a spectacle the other night, and this is why my pessimism began to rise. No, it began to soar, skyrocket. I see five Democratic candidates. First of all, I see no African Americans, no Hispanic, no people of color. First of all, uh, secondly, uh, and that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm not looking for another Obama. You know, just yet. I'm not that, not that naive. But at the same time, I got to think to myself up there beating up on each other and using us as a prop they use us as a prop Bishop Guillory but if you notice one thing while well, yeah they were beating up on Bloomberg about stop and frisk well, yeah they were beating up on him about redlining and then some other things that he said that had a racial tinge to it I didn't hear them offer any substantial uh, programmatic initiatives to deal with police abuse criminal okay. justice reform um, I didn't hear them deal with any substantive, substantive uh, programs to deal with jobs, development, poverty. How are you going to deal with it? Don't tell me about wealth inequality. That, that's not a substantial employment of African-American worst of the worst class at the bottom of the barrel. I didn't hear other than Medicare for all. Uh, Bishop Guillory, I didn't hear them talk about, okay, when you look at African-Americans, the health disparities, uh, cancer, diabetes, heart issues, uh, sickle cell, and the lack of affordability and accessibility among the bottom, the poorest of the poor African-Americans, I want to know what you're going to do about that. Not what Bloomberg didn't do 10 years ago or did do. I want to know what you're going to do today and going forward. See, that's the problem I have. And I will say one other thing, uh, Bishop Guillory. Um, you said this, the second thing I'm going to piggyback on. You said they're coming to us for the vote. I'm going to tell you that vote's not going to be there unless whoever the nominee is, unless they come up with real laser-focused programs and initiatives to deal with all the crises that hit Black America. You know, just posturing, talking, expecting Blacks to run to the polls because they hate Trump. That's not going to get it. African Americans will vote Democratic. By and large, we got that. But that's not the point. The point is how many will vote. Uh, Trump only won in two or three states by 10, 11,000 votes. You had enough black folk in Detroit. You had enough black folk in Milwaukee. You had enough black folk in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and those states in Miami that could have made the difference and put a black uh, a Democrat in there. They didn't because they didn't feel that there was anything there for them. So, are we going to have Bishop Guillory a repeat of that in 2020? And I got to tell you, if we do, Trump is reelected. Right. Okay. I, I completely agree with you. And I think that that's the reason why I pulled my picture out and I had to let people know um, when you start talking about uh, bringing old, uh, <laughs> this is not disrespectful, 
but old civil rights leaders that are detached from the movement today and bringing them on stage with you and believing that because they're with you that you have the black community, you're going to lose. Um, lose. And 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 I've watched how uh, these individuals have come to town uh, and they meet at the same church and they meet with the same community people that – uh, that they don't have the votes in their church to change the councilman in their district. So let right. alone are they going to uh, galvanize those people to get out the vote. Let's talk about the homeless for a moment because uh, okay. Governor uh, uh, Galvin Newsom, he spent his whole time talking to both uh, uh, the Assembly and the Senate about homelessness. When I go down to downtown L.A. and I see the continual uh, – Homeless of black people, the same people that was there last year when they counted them, the same year that was five years ago when they counted them, they keep counting them, but they keep staying there. Why is millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on administrative programs for the homeless, (laughs) yet it don't touch the homeless? And, you know, to see these same people licking their lips, Thinking that they're gonna get a dime, just like it was when it was uh, the uh, the reentry, you know, they let these people go out and get these uh, uh, license and permits, but they don't know what, they're not solving the problem, and we mm-hmm. keep allowing it to happen time after time after time after time, and it's it's really starting to bug me because it's it's like you can't see that these are the victims of the '80s crack epidemic. You can't just give them a place to stay; they need mental health. They need they need programs that's gonna help them re enter society. You know, and not just give a bunch of money to your cronies, uh, to run a program that has nothing to do with the people that you're supposed to be trying to help. Yep. So uh well well Bishop Guillory, let me say this. You know, I got a couple of minutes and I gotta run, but I wanna say this, you know, about the homeless thing. If you came to went to downtown LA today, you would see something a little bit different. You would see not only the majority of those on the streets are African American, men and women and children, all parts of LA now. It's not just downtown anymore. Now homelessness has become LA. Many of the streets in LA now look like Calcutta. And the reason being blacks on the street, poor to the poor, nothing there for them. You're absolutely right. Um, we've had so many, at least two or three ballot measures that allocated tens of millions of dollars to solve the homeless crisis, and yet they're more than now than ever. How do you explain that, Bishop Guillory? Two, two reasons. One, something you I have to go back to something you said a little bit earlier. Leadership, leadership, leadership. There is none. There is no leadership that can stand up to elected officials and say, hey, you're lying, you're cheating, you're stealing money, you're taking money on behalf of the homeless for all your little pet projects. You're not doing a darn thing. There are none that will stand up and say, what about affordable housing? You're giving all the money away to developers. Okay, I got that. But what about giving money away and putting it in crisis programs, jobs, counseling, training, drugs? Uh, alcohol counseling, support systems, and affordable housing? What are you doing there? I'm not hearing that on a consistent basis from our so-called leadership. 
And Bishop Guillory, no disrespect to you and the African American Church, but you are absolutely right to show you how how patronizing. And I just vomit every time I see this, Bishop Guillory. Don't 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 take it the wrong way. What I'm going to say. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I vomit every time I see two days before the Sunday before the Tuesday election day. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> these parade of Democratic politicians run into some black churches, sitting there, sitting right in the front row. The minister, the preacher, gets up and introduces Joe politician and Jane politician, Bishop Guillory. They don't even have the courtesy to stay around for the whole service. Yeah. Bishop Guillory, they don't even have the courtesy to put a nickel in the collection place. Bishop Guillory, they don't have, uh, and the black preachers that bring them in don't even have the presence of mind to, before they let them come in, I want to sit down with you, and I want you to tell me, give me five or six things you're going to do for my community if you're elected and I allow you to come to my church. Bishop Guillory, you know that no Jewish synagogue, no Protestant, big Protestant evangelical church, and definitely no mosque is going to let them in there. You know, and no Catholic yeah, church. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that. Let me, let, me, let me speak out for these good preachers, these good God-loving Jesus <laughs> chicken preachers. They already got their money. That's why they ain't got to put no money in the, in the place. That greasy, back-biting uh, infidel has already gotten his money. That's why the politician was able to go in the church. Trust there you me, go. That preacher, <laughs> that preacher ain't gonna let nobody in his church. <laughs> well, in other words, you say it goes in his personal collection place. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And see, and, you, know, and you, got, you got these old, you got these old gang banging uh, parishioners who, when you when you talk to them, you you think you talk to Snoop Dogg. Uh, what church are you from? Oh, I'm from so and so. I'm from so and so. I'm from so and well, Bishop Guillory, let me let me let me let me end on that because I got to go. But anyway, listen, can you know we got we got eight months of this now. We got a lot to talk about, so Absolutely. I'm gonna always be available for you, Bishop Guillory. Yeah, Just keep I'll fighting, keep struggling, and I and I'm here for you. Okay, thank you, sir. Appreciate okay, it. take care yeah, now. I want to he's a syndicated writer. You can always uh, get his uh, uh, syndicated uh, uh, editorials out of the. Sentinel newspaper. Uh, he's in a number of other newspapers. You can Google him. He's also on Facebook. Uh, Earl Afari Hutchison, uh, the Hutchison reports. A great guy, great guy, good friend of mine. And sometimes I just have to call on my friends that see things the way they are, not the way people say they should be or the way they think they should be, or you know, just the truth. The truth will set you free. So. Today I was just feeling it, y'all. I got my hat on. You know, y'all see my hat? Do y'all see my hat? That's a hat <laughs> saying, Lord, Lord, can you make it great again? Well, we're going to go down the road here and see if, you know, if, did it really get great? So I know that I have my, my sister, Rihanna, there. She's going to be checking the statistics. You know, but I want to say one thing. Trump has not uh, given a pardon to one of my dear friends. Uh, the former sheriff of Los Angeles, Lee Baca, I have requested him to be pardoned, uh, to be free. That set Lee Baca free because Lee Baca was my friend, y'all. He was my friend. And, you know, and, and see, y'all don't understand. When, you, when you're in jail and you 
are being attacked from all sides. You need somebody to just somebody to just not be in the middle of it that can give you a peace of mind. And that's what Lee Baca did for the inmates in the Los Angeles County Jail. He allowed clergy council ex-offenders to come in uh, to talk to these young uh, offenders and let them know, look, man, don't think that these big homies are going to come and get you out of prison. You're going to be sitting there. They may have told you because you're young, they're going to let you go. It's your first time. They're going to slap you on the wrist. No, no, the new sentence enhancements. You're going to get more time than even some of the OGs would have got, you know, back in the day. So, you know, I applaud Lee Baca for the jail prison reform. It was kind of funny after he did a jail reform, uh, they ended up putting him in jail. And uh, so I have requested at the White House that the President of the United States of America, number 45, uh, Donald Trump, please, please pardon Lee Baca. I've been writing Lee Baca uh, in, the, in the state, I mean, in the federal prison in the state of Texas, and um, to keep, keep in contact with Carol, his wife. You know, here's a guy who put education back in the county jail, uh, you know, that put uh, actual classrooms and allowed inmates to get their GEDs in the county jail. Uh, I met a lot of good people, a lot of good teachers and, and deputies that wanted to see, uh, uh, you know, people reform. And, and some people, you know, this is, you know, to see a grandfather, a father, and a son in, in the county jail, all on different tiers, all doing different, uh, there for different crimes. The grandfather was being brought back uh, for an appeal of one of the charges that he was on. But to see all three of them in the county jail at the same time, and Lee Baca called me. He says, listen, man, I, I, I want you to come talk to these guys. He says, I, can't, I just can't believe this is three generations. And uh, I was in Texas, and I flew back and became a, a part of the uh, Los Angeles County uh, Clergy Council. And, uh, you know, so at this point, I, I want full disclosure. Uh, Lee Baca was put in prison for uh, some of the – uh, investigations that went on in the county jail about the abuse. And, you know, anybody that has a computer that could read about how the county jail was ran from its inception of the 1800s until Lee Baca came in, people used to get killed. The deputies would actually kill inmates. Okay, not not one per year. I'm talking about inmates being killed on a on a on a daily situation. They're being beat, and then some of them die. You don't reform something like that overnight. There have been no more than eight, or probably nine now, sheriffs, individuals, not nine, no more than nine individual sheriffs since the inception of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, since the 1800s. So imagine when you have one sheriff that's been sheriff for 60 years, how difficult it may be to try to change that mindset when you come in. So, having said that, I'm still asking this uh, uh, administration to give a pardon to Sheriff Lee Baca. Uh, I said that because, you know, everybody was talking mess about how many uh, people uh, that Trump had pardoned. And it was kind of funny because 
you know, when you're telling things, you have to make sure you you know all the facts and you and you get them out there because if you don't, then you kind of look silly, and you say stuff and it, it would just be kind of you know make you kind of look bad. So so far, um, Trump has only pardoned 28 people, and uh, of course he's only in his third and a half year, but. Um, President uh, Obama pardoned, you know, quite a few, uh, 200, uh, maybe 2,000. <laughs> he had he had eight years. And, you know, you go and you look at the other presidents, and some of them did 200, some of them did 300, 400, some of them did 70. I think um, uh, George Herbert Bush only did 70. You know, he's the ex-CIA guy. He believed the hell. If you're in there, you're supposed to be in there. But, you know, um, I think it's kind of how and who you pardon. Okay. You pardon somebody that <laughs> that's obviously, I mean, would anybody have pardoned O.J. Simpson? Uh, I think not, you know. <laughs> so there's a big deal uh, right now with the pardons that's being uh, given and to whom they're being given uh, and the time. One thing I can say about uh, uh Number 45, uh, our president, uh, Donald Trump, one thing I can say I respect about him is he truly don't give a damn. Most presidents don't do pardons until the end of their uh, term. And if they get another term, then at the end of that term, they don't do midterm uh, pardons. They just don't. And he's doing it now. (laughs) Now, some people say he's doing it because he put everything that he's going to need once. (laughs) <laughs> but get him, mm-hmm. get him out the way before they get him. I don't know. But, you know, I respect the fact that he's not hiding his hand. He's doing the things that he's doing. And maybe if other people, when they got in office, if they just did what they were supposed to do, instead of wondering how it's going to look, goes a little bit more into who you are, too. You know, you don't want the backlash, so you wait until, you know, you're the day of you walking out the White House to do a pardon. You know, or you're having the people on pins and needles waiting. Rihanna, I know you can't wait to get in here. Come on in. How you doing, sister? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. What's going on? Oh, you know, I was just looking up uh, some statistics on homelessness in L.A. There's a really good article on uh, Curbed L.A. It's la.curbed.com by Elijah Chiland. And it's a really good, it's just a really good article. It, it does talk about specifically uh, some of those programs that were created out of those ballot measures and um, right. what has and hasn't been done mm. from those. Yeah. And it also Absolutely. talks, uh, yeah, one of the statistics that I thought was very telling and sad and interesting all at the same time, uh, they talked about that three-day count, and they said, um that last last year, the number of people counted jumped 16% in the city of Los Angeles and 12% across L.A. County. And they said that uh, in 2019, um, the yearly count counted uh, nearly 49, I'm sorry, 
Nearly 49,000 of the residents who were homeless had found housing in 2019. However, over that same period, almost 55,000 new people became uh, newly homeless. Uh, Only one apartment building uh, has been built of the many that were supposed to be uh, built from one of those ballot measures. Um, They need more than a half a million affordable units. And they said it's just such a massive problem and that uh, people need to realize that they are one uh, missing paycheck, one missing, um, you know, one house payment they can't make or a rent payment they can't make, uh, one, one big life, um, you know, semi-tragedy away from being in this situation. And, you know, that, that, that's the problem. That's why it snowballs, because we're all in that boat. Most of us are in that boat. So it's just horribly unfortunately, sad. Unfortunately, uh, many of the people who claim to be um, helping the homeless are yes. helping themselves. Okay? Uh, these churches yes. that feed the homeless, they raise a yes. million dollars. They take $10,000 worth of food to the yes. homeless, okay? Yes. Uh, and they live in lavish houses and they drive lavish cars, but of course they're yes. doing God's work. They're feeding the dummies that won't get up and get a job to feed themselves. So they go raise mm. all this money from people who believe that, oh, I'm helping. I give Pastor Cole, uh, you know, I give Pastor uh, Greedy all my money to give to the homeless. I took we yeah. reach out to the homeless, we feed them, we give them soup. We take a bunch of cans of vegetables down there, you know. We do our best to feed them, you know. I don't just go and eat steak. You expect yeah. for me to just eat steak and not give the guy on the corner a couple of quarters? I gave him three quarters last time, you know. And that makes him feel good. That makes him feel real good. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so I'm just tired of the politicians and the preachers and these organizations. Yeah. We're going to put, put, put out one of the organizations. I want you to do a little history on this organization. It's called Very okay. Human. Very, Very human. human. Yes. And they get money to help the homeless get housing. And, you know, they are always, uh, uh, you know, before the city council begging for money, going to the county begging for money, uh, pretending to help people, when actually they don't. You go by their office and there's nobody there. You call the number that's, that pops up on the Internet, and it's a cell phone. And the saddest thing about that is that they never answer it, you know. Mm-hmm. So but they get money yeah. to help the homeless. So, you know, wow. you know well, this Bishop, is what we uh, – I wanted to point out, that's the other thing that you said that I'm finding when I'm researching these things. It seems like all these ballot measures and all these programs that were supposed to be set up and are working on it or haven't been quite finished yet, they're all emergency, like crisis uh, programs. Well, once right. you're in crisis, what, uh, you know, why focus on the crisis when there's a root cause? Who was it? Aristotle <laughs> in like five 20 BC said poverty is the mother time, for example. He understood right. root causes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there, there's all kinds of jobs programs that need to happen, mental health care that needs to happen, veterans are homeless, uh, you know, systemic 
long-term generational poverty issues, drug abuse, crack epidemic, residual effects, lasting effects, sexual abuse, all those are the causes. You know, the emergency protections seem to be the main focus, especially in L.A., as I'm seeing, in California. Well, And it's easy to pilfer money off the top of emergency programs because they're doing it. When you say emergency, what you do is you, you look at these places, they have a whole crowd line of these people that's trying to get into their shelter. They kick them out at five o'clock in the morning. Okay. Six o'clock in the morning. They have to be out. They're spraying their their beds down at at seven o'clock in the morning. They spraying them down. So here's the deal. Why are we spending money on that? Right. We could be spending money. On, look, did you see that they built two hospitals in China in ten days? Yes. Yes. Two hospitals. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not talking about just shelter for people. I'm talking no, about hospitals <laughs> who has oxygen and yes. emergency tables, and so why does it take billions? To build right. housing, when California our, our military has can do millions, it in the middle of a desert. <laughs> we have plenty of desert in California. Yes. We yes. have plenty of mountains, <laughs> but we use those for mountain houses. You know, you got to yes. be Oprah. There. Yes. So, so I'm just saying, this is job security. Yes. When a governor says. Our biggest priority. Now let me tell you something. I'm just so tired of people pulling your leg and, and, and pissing in your eye and telling you that it's rising. Yeah. Excuse my vulgar language for all you ladies and gentlemen out there. <laughs> yeah, I love reading my, my mail when I after I do a show. I get some great mail. <laughs> I read it, and sometimes I respond, and sometimes I just don't. But anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give a shout out to Ricky, Rick Young out there. Rick wanted me to do do my show in his studio, so he likes to participate. So I said, no, you can't participate on my show. But, <laughs> you know, I I have to say this because it's just, why, how in the hell can you be the governor of the state of California, one of the richest states, a state where the richest people come to live, even if they get killed in their own home? Like this little rapper from New York, 20 years old, mm-hmm. two packs of money. He's showing it on Instagram, mm. and they came and robbed him and killed him. Mm-mm-mm. Terrible thing. Back to this governor. How could you be in the richest state? Your state is richer than most countries. You're the right. fifth or the sixth or the seventh largest economy. Yeah. And you say in the world. And you say from the floor of your Senate, your assembly, and your state of the state address, homelessness is your focal point and your this is your this is your issue. <laughs> How the hell do you not send buses of shit <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, the next day, how the how the hell do you have a staff? How do you have billions of dollars? And the next day, the homeless people are still right there where they was when you got on there talking about this show issue. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's your issue. 
I hate to see some the age issue. Mm-hmm. See, it's different for me because I, I don't kiss these people's ass. See, I don't give a shit about none of them because most of them are full of shit. Mm-hmm. I said it. Most of them are full of shit. And they're so busy trying to help themselves that they're not thinking about them homeless people. But let me break it down for you. The homeless people are victims of the federal government CIA cocaine in the black community project, Cointel Pro. Kill mm-hmm. niggas. And everybody running around talking about, oh, I like a nigga. My favorite, oh, I got me my, oh. If you like niggas, why are there so many homeless? Mm-hmm. Victims of a government program on the streets. Yeah. If this is your priority, how are they still on the streets the next day? Mm. I mean, I'm used to governors flying down on a helicopter saying, ooh, this is a priority. I'm going to call FEMA, and I'm going to, you know. Yes. But see, when you got other niggas running around with suits, $2,000 suits on, kissing your ass, you like Gail. You can get away with shit. <laughs> <laughs> when you kiss the right ass, you can get away with shit. Ain't that good? No. And then Susan Rice, <laughs> since nobody else told you, you know, and I, I, I wanted to wait until I had my bearings before I said this. Who the hell do you think you are talking about an army of people? Don't you know that Trump could come and have your ass arrested? You are right. an ex-national security advisor. You are a former U.N. Uh, uh, representative, ambassador. Who the hell do you uh, threaten a civilian with an army of people. I'm gonna say this because you know he didn't. Bitch, you lucky we ain't had Trump to lock your ass up. In fact, Trump was <laughs> investigating your ass a couple months ago. You know, but all of a sudden somebody says something about Gail. You jump your ass out talking about what you gonna do, <laughs> girl, boo. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I love rich people because you know rich people they cool. They, they be like you know <laughs> he gonna show. You, I I give that nigga after his mother, a Christian, a good Baptist Christian woman, told her say Snoop that you don't talk to that lady like that. Now, I taught you better than that, Snoop. Yeah, mama, you get on that that, that stuff and you get on that social media and you tell that woman you sorry. You don't be telling her threatening that. I, I know you didn't threaten her, but she thought you threatened her because she was mad because everybody else was saying, "Yeah, fuck that bitch." So you know, you don't call you know you don't call no woman you're a woman bitch, right? But mama, Snoop, I'll tell you again, you don't run down and fix that up because you know my friends, my girlfriends calling me because they love Gail. You know, they go there, you know, girl. I didn't mean to call you a bitch. You know, I wasn't gonna do nothing to you. Well, I look like doing something to you. You're 70, 80 years old, right? Then all of a sudden, after that goes out, here comes Susan. Wait a minute, let me at that nigga. Huh? Hold on, hold on. You street ass thug, orchard nigga ass nigga. What? Yeah, we got our. Well, maybe do my crip walk. Do my crip walk. My Obama crip walk. You know? But let me tell you this, Susan. When you have been, and you still have your clearance, don't you? Okay, so let me tell you as an abusman what I know. If you still have your clearance, you nappy head chicken, you can't be threatening civilians unless you want to give up your clearance. It means that you can't take your ass to those places where they have armies. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so maybe Obama was, you know, maybe uh, uh, Trump was correct when he said he needs to snatch all y'all clearances, you know, from you, because that was some gangster bullshit that you that you did. You know, when you threatened with an army, and you had those clearances to be able to summon armies, be careful, be careful. Okay, you're either gonna be a civilian, or you're gonna be, you know, a part of the official government stuff. But, you know, I'm just telling you, you know, because I'm a nigga from Compton. We don't know about all that. But what we do know is that if, you, you know, you're trying to threaten some damn body, okay, we know how. We're going to call the white folks on you. <laughs> we're going to call the white folks on you. And we bet you they can put your ass in check. I bet you right now. And maybe in, next year, it, you know, they won't do nothing to you. But right now, oh, yeah, they'll do something to you. You know, <laughs> this Justice Department will lock your ass up. So you just let that go. Let that go because, you know, there's a picture of Gail out there. I think they got about 12 pictures of her and this, you know, guy that's going through trial right now. She ain't asked him nothing. And she, you know, if you, where's she to the dress and say, Leslie, you don't know him like that. He wouldn't let you see that part of him. Well, what did, did uh, Harvey let you see? Because <laughs> you look pretty happy in those pictures. You know, for all y'all don't know, I put it, I post it on my on my Facebook because I ain't scared. You know, I'm not. I'm not Ted, scared. Ted Bundy's girlfriend didn't see him like that either. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and I'm pretty sure that all those guys that that sat down to eat with uh, 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 what is it, Van? Let's see how to mess the joke up. <laughs> What's the man that ate up all of the people? Oh, Jeffrey the people in the season. Yeah, I'm sure that everybody that sat down to eat with Jeffrey Dahmer didn't think that he right. what he ate in. <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's you just thought a that joke. was a burger. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, you just got to be careful out there because you know, I know my people, they're like, ooh, he is, what's wrong with him? <laughs> they know what kind of night it is going to be. <laughs> okay. When, when they seen the red hat, they should have known what I'm talking about. Y'all, this is the prompt up. Y'all, many of y'all know my book is coming out. I've been telling y'all about the book. I've been telling y'all about the book. I've been telling y'all about the book. The book is coming out, and that's going to be the cover. <laughs> Make America Great Again. That's going to be the cover. Woo, baby. Woo. <laughs> we made America Great Again. Talking about the homeless. Let's talk about the homeless. Listen, if you have money, you ain't worried about it, right? But deep down within, you know, like Rihanna said, you only one paycheck, and sometimes it ain't even that. Because yep. even then, you have to say, you know, hey, uh, uh, ooh, <laughs> I didn't think that was going to yeah. be like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, you know, we just have to do better, though. We really do. we got to love each other, but don't be gangbanging, set-tripping, and pretending that, you know, you all in the clear because, you know, you know, I don't know nobody that's in the clear right now. One thing that the Trump administration has did is has say focused on people and let people know what you did last week. Oh, let's get on Miss Warren, the Indian. So uh, Pocahontas decided that she was going to get tough. Pocahontas is trying to win, y'all. So Pocahontas jumped all on on Mike uh, <laughs> Bloomberg. Bloomberg. <laughs> Bloomberg. Okay, my Jewish buddy. So jumped all on him about stop and frisk. 
So I was just sitting around with a couple of my Republican friends. And I said, has she ever passed a bill that, right. uh, from the federal perspective, that helped black people? And did she vote when, when they was doing the omnibus crime bill, Hillary Clinton's uh, husband's bill on juvenile crime, making it uh, legal to put a 12-year-old in a adult facility? When he's committed a, a, a capital crime, she wasn't in public she office was. yet. She was. She wasn't uh, in office. She was, no, she was a professor at that point. Okay, good. I'm glad to know that because most yeah. of the Democrats that uh, that's right, they heads up. They they really try to hide from that omnibus crime bill. Thank you for that clarification. But anyway, yes, I don't have any problems with Pocahontas. Uh, my problem with all of them. Is that if you can't win, sit your ass down. And that may be, that seems harsh. But you took an oath to be in the Senate. We need you in the Senate. The Senate right now mm-hmm. is not beneficial to the masses. So if you say you're for the masses, with a Republican Senate and a and if it changes or have a Republican Congress, what would you do as president, Pocahontas? How would you get any of your people confirmed if you don't have the Senate? Would you rather be a lame duck president, the first woman lame duck president? Or would you rather have the Senate where you could make some changes that you really want to make? I don't know. Oh, everybody wants to be the king or the queen. I don't know. <laughs> But that was a really tough debate. I mean, I mean, I said, "Wow!" I was disappointed in the Democrats because I would think at this point, right now, you should be focusing on why support. While while you were doing that, uh, <laughs> there was Trump making fun of all of y'all. <laughs> And boy, did he. I mean, I listened to him, and I said to myself, self, and self said, huh? I said, they keep saying that he's going to get reelected. Wow. (laughs) Who is they? (laughs) Is that Russia? I think that's it. Well, I just said I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm saying they said that they keep saying that he's going to get reelected, and then they tell us that Russia is already involved. Well, what are they doing if they're already involved? And then I start saying maybe that's what they say to keep whispering to me. He's going to win. He's going to win. Because if you see it enough, then people say, "Oh, well, you know, used to doing it. He's going to win anyway." That's right. So I want to ask people. That, that's Russia's tactic. Is it? Or is oh, it, yeah. Is it, or is it Democrat tactic? Well, it because, could be both. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bernie said that he found out about them helping him. 
He says about time that the uh, old independent gets some help. No, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a Democrat. I'm sorry. They had a nerd to talk about how. Uh, 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 I'm just gonna call him Mike. Okay? Uh, they, they, it was making fun right. of how Mike. I saw that. <laughs> and, he's yeah, not he even a Democrat. Well, no, neither have you. And as soon as Bernie's literally an independent. <laughs> well, wait a minute. As soon as the election is over, Bernie goes back to being independent. Yes. Yes. I mean, I would have had a problem with having him on the stage. Right. You know, but they're talking about your... Bloomberg, yeah. <laughs> what? Now, let's discuss a few things on Bloomberg. Because we've had uh, mayors across the, the 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 nation to endorse him, including the mayor Asia Brown, including Houston's mayor, uh, and a number of other African American mayors. Mayor Nutter. Uh, mayor in, we just spoke yeah, to him last week, in, Bishop. In, in Baltimore. Excuse me. We just spoke to Mayor Nutter last week on uh, a view from the top uh, for right. the Bloomberg campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what I was going to say is these mayors they have a closer relationship with Mike than others because um, as a mayor, they have what they call the National League of Mayors, and they get together and they talk about things that's going on in their city. They have conferences every year. But more importantly, uh, they know what they go through in their cities. So I want to, you know, I have to applaud anybody that has the fortitude to say, you know what, I know that as a this person being an ex-mayor, if this person becomes a president, uh, when I call, they're going to be sympathetic or empathetic to the things that is needed. Yeah. Another thing that, that was said is about who he supported when he supported it. You know, we we, we got to stop this gang banging. Uh, well, when you were in, uh, you supported the Republican. You went to see uh, George Bush when he was the. So what? He's the darn president. Are you stupid? You know? <laughs> Just like there's people who don't believe that Puerto Rico should continue to get help. <laughs> One person I had to really, you know, go off on, and I said, well, listen. Why would you get mad at them living in Puerto Rico knowing that there's going to be a hurricane when you live in Miami where they have a hurricane? (laughs) And if Miami was to have a hurricane, would you want to – would you want (laughs) – Oh, my God. Woo, baby, woo. It's crazy. It's crazy. Listen, listen, listen. We have to understand. Now – at some point, you're going to have to have somebody to take care of you, okay? So uh, many people that don't know, I'm going to tell you, I spend a lot of time uh, taking care of my dad, 86 years old, his bone and prostate cancer. Um, unbeknownst to me, while I was in Detroit uh, visiting my godson down there, my nephew, um, shout out to him, too. He's doing a great job. Um Great. Jewel Jones. Great job. Great job. Yeah. Proud of you. 
So I was down there two weeks visiting him. Um, Dad decided to go get chemotherapy. The VA convinced him to get chemotherapy. Many of the uh, many of the cuts that have taken place has really hurt our veterans, which is why we have so many veterans on the street. Okay, veterans are allowed if they if they fit a certain criteria, they served uh, a certain amount of time, uh, and they're able to qualify for benefits. They get their medications, right? They get to see the doctor. Getting 10% knocked off of your rent doesn't put you in a livable situation when you don't have a pension, uh, when you don't qualify for um, a, a good SSI, you know, Social Security. I want people to understand that it's hard, and many of the people that are homeless are not just drug addicts, Okay. You see some of these people, you have a conversation with them, and they were very productive citizens. Yeah. And it's embarrassing for some of them to go to family members and let them know that they lost their home. Mm-hmm. You know, but we were going to give these banks money. Who took the homes? Why would we, if you lent the money and then you ended up with the house yourself as the bank, why do you need the taxpayer's money to bail you out? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that took place that we, we really need to, you know, check ourselves because I think that's one of the one of the issues that I have with us continuing to look out for the super rich and saying, Okay, well, it comes down. Well, no, it doesn't come down. It doesn't mm-hmm. come down ever. And um it makes it really rough. It makes it really, really rough. You know? Yeah. And looking, you know, and I have done it, and I've asked myself, I've asked other people, you know, when you're doing it, you're looking down a hill. Don't spit because you never know when you're going to be down a hill. Mm-hmm. Can't always tell the people that it's raindrops. That's something I learned from an old Italian woman. When you're living on the hill, Vinny, don't spit down the hill. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that to say, once again, if the governor and all his cronies and all of his organizational structures really wanted to do something about... The homeless program that isn't in existence. Just do it. Because I'm sure you being the governor, people would listen and do what you tell them to do. I would hope. You know, it's kind of easy to say you're going to do this job, do that job. I think he's a compassionate man. I think that, you know, he he probably has a good uh, good heart. I mean, you know, hey, he said don't go after the illegal immigrants. This is a sanctuary city, you know, but uh, I, I tend to be one of those persons that when I go down there and see everybody on the street that look like me, shit, that doesn't give me a whole lot of compassion for 
someone who isn't doing it legal to come over and benefit from the benefits of being in America. And let's talk about that for a moment so that you guys understand how some people feel. Because sometimes we get so into ourselves and how we feel that we just ignore what other people feel. So there are people here that are Irish. There are people here that are Jewish. There are people here that are Italian. There are people here that are African-American. There are people here that are Asian, you know, from many different Asian uh, Asia countries in Asia. And there were things that had to be done legally for them to be here in America when they sent home for their parents or family members to get them here. And not only was it costly, but it was time-consuming. And it doesn't feel good when you've done things the right way and it's taking you and taking its toll on you to have it done and then watch someone just do it Walk, walk through the line. Put yourself in a grocery store or a bank or any other place where there's a long line. How do you feel when someone just walks to the front and just, just I'm, I'm just here? And if they say, okay, and they wait on them, how do you feel about being in line? If you watch that two or three times, would you stay in line? And just watch people just walk around the line and just walk up to the front and just get up there and get help. In a civilized society, it's not acceptable. So that we can be remain civil to one another, we don't do that. So um, I'm going to once again say, We have some issues. Now is the time to address those issues, and I would hope that we don't wait until it's too late to start addressing major issues that deal with um, the homeless, the homeless, those individuals who are incarcerated, those individuals who have to pay off high interest on loans. Yeah, that part right there. Have you ever had to pay a loan uh, back and then you realize that um, (laughs) you're paying interest? You're not even paying on the loan. And if you turn 70 at the the amount that you're able to pay, uh, you'll still be paying this loan. That's bad. I think that's where Pocahontas and uh, Grandpa Sanders, you know, they get the young people's attention because they're talking to them about them and about something they're going through. So I get it. I've I've always been for forgiving the college. We need people working. So let's say, hey, the tax credits that you want to give these billion-dollar corporations, let's give them to these kids. Let's tell those corporations, I'll tell you what, instead of paying us taxes on this, you hire this person from this school, and we're, we're going to cut 
that debt with the money that you owe us. How about that? Plenty of ways. But who's at the table? Who's talking? Who's talking? Sister, you were all fired up for a minute. I think I had to get you fired up again. <laughs> I got to get you all fired up again. Let me see what I can do. I can get to get you all fired up again. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> I think I, I might. I might have to go to listen mode if you do what you're going to do. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Hold on. <laughs> So I was trying to, no, I was trying to actually, not, no, not that, no, 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 no. you're terrible. I'll um, run and hide. <laughs> now I got the one person that can make you hide. That's, that's, you shouldn't let me know that. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to hear from another person on uh, Bloomberg uh, or on Trump. Our lights, our lights, uh, our phone lines should be uh, really bright right now. I'm man, I've gotten. <laughs> We got yes. a lot listening, but anybody anybody press one who wants to comment oh, on that would be dangerous. Uh, I know. No, so far everybody's just listening. Nobody's pressing one. <laughs> well, they don't know that. I've never taught them how to do that. Um, I know that Cunningham. Well, you know, Mayor Nutter said some interesting things um, on Thursday. Uh-huh. And um, for everybody out there, Mayor Nutter was the mayor of Philadelphia, and he ta- he was talking about how uh, the way that he knew about Bloomberg's record and was felt that he needed to endorse him and be a national campaign chair for him was because of that record and because of uh, he knew firsthand as mayor of Philadelphia that Mayor Bloomberg uh, doesn't just have a record as mayor. He also has a lifelong record um, with his philanthropy and that that was a huge benefit um, to other mayors as well. Uh, for example, he mentioned um, the there's a Greenwood initiative. Uh, there are various initiatives um, in various cities that he where he takes corporate profits, all the corporate profits from various Bloomberg entities, and puts it directly into uh, these initiatives across the country in various cities um, that go directly into uh, targeting creating wealth in predominantly um, African-American areas and community investment. And that that's the sole initiative for these various groups. And that as mayor, in a legitimate way, he was able to reach out to other mayors who had certain needs and targeted areas that they wanted to focus on, where he was able to, you know, utilize that philanthropy 
and right. broker these initiatives uh, well, that have been su- wildly successful. Yes, well, he has a commercial with uh, a couple of those uh, young men who got out of prison in New York, and they were able yeah. to work with the program. And, you know, I listen to them because they're the ones right. that have gone through it. They're the ones that are going to utilize it. And, you know, Mayor Asia Brown over in Compton, um, yes. she, she's, pretty, she's pretty feisty, but she's definitely, she does her best diligence. So she's had three of the uh, persons running for president uh, to uh, there in the city. She sat down with them. She opened up the community, let them do one-on-one, and then she just made an endorsement of Mike. So uh, anyway, I want to introduce another young man. When I say the Democrats eat their own, this is one of the young men that I was talking about uh, uh, when I said that I, I take issue with the old politicians not embracing the young people when they come in and how we did with Jewel and just supported him along the way. And I guess we kind of ran off a lot of the other people too. (laughs) 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 Let them know we weren't going to take it. Anyway, this young man, David Cunningham, uh, is running for uh, Los Angeles City Council. Uh, He's been on the political scene for a few years, and I've recognized him. He came under my radar. And, you know, nationally, when we when we do this, Rihanna, uh, we we really hate when they attack young people. So, yeah. um, and, and you know, when I first seen Dr. McKellar, uh, and I told her I wanted her to run for, for the United States Senate and then Congress, and, you know, her being elected after all of those runs, because I knew that the people there in the community would have to see her as a, their leader. And that's hard yeah. when people don't recognize you as their leader because their mind is somewhere else. So, David, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you doing? Thanks for ha- having me. I'm great in yourself. I'm well, thank you. So I, I want to know, as a young Democrat, I know that, that you have been very involved in the Democrat Party in California, unfortunately. We're trying to re- drag you over to the Republican side, but... You know, that's neither here nor there. We'll give you a little time, <laughs> time to, to, to realize that, you know, you get more done when you come over. But it's okay. You can keep, you know, stay there. We'll see how it works out. But until then, we'll just keep supporting you from the outside and just waiting. But the Democrat Party, they had at one time 18 people viable candidates for president, and uh, uh, three of them were young people. Uh, Two of them were very young people. One of them is still in the race, and the other African Americans are all out of the race. Um, uh, Two females are still in the race. As a young African American male who have come head-to-head with the old guard of the Democrat Party in the state of California, what did you think about the uh, the debate, this recent debate where um, Senator Warren attacked Mike Bloomberg on the stop and frisk. Well, um, to be very honest, I the Democratic Party as a whole is dysfunctional. Um, there's a lot of problems um, that need to be resolved. We need to come together as the one. We need to clean up our shit. 
and you know we need to you know focus on running the country and stop with the back and forth. Do you think um, they listen to you when you when you come when when you're at a, a symposium or you know you're sitting at one of these events because I don't even go anymore. I, I just don't go. Uh, it's Black History Month, and I've been invited to a ton of places. I said, I'm not going. I can't sit there and listen to rhetoric that I've listened to my whole life and then go downtown and see the homeless people, the same people, year after year, no matter how many counts they have, um, no matter how much the mayor say he's doing, no matter how much the governor say he's doing, uh, I'm just like Trump. You know, why? why don't you clean this up? Why why are you getting billions of dollars and this is still there? So do you feel like they're listening to you? When you say I don't feel like the Democratic Party I, – I don't feel like none of the leaders currently in the California Democratic Party nor or in the Los Angeles County Democratic Party is listening to the people. Um, they are self-interest. Um, they're all about money. What can they benefit from this? And that's how they move. Um, we need to elect new leaders across the board, across the state of California, or else we will conti- continue to see a decline in our state. And we will continue to see a population decrease due to the the, the cost of living. Um, we'll see um, the homelessness, uh, homelessness increase. Um, all at the hands of these greedy politicians who claim to be a part of the quote-unquote People's Party, which is right. the Democratic Party. So let's do this right quick because, you know, I, I don't want it to be said. I do not have uh, – Rihanna is a Democrat, and I know I have a couple of other uh, people that are really close to me that are Democrats. My wife is a Democrat, of course. Uh, but, you know, and, I, and I'm not a Republican in the sense of being a fool. Uh, I'm not a bigot, nor am I a Ku Klux Klan member. So when people talk that kind of craziness around me, I immediately check them to know that not only am I not comfortable with sitting down here and you wearing your sheets off your bed, but, you know, we're not friends. So if you're sitting in a, in a Democrat Party meeting and it's somewhat of the same, it's just not a Klan's meeting, Right. And when you when you say what you have to say, if it's not heard, if it's not accepted, then uh, the party is like a madman because nobody can do the same thing and expect a different result. What California has done is doubled down. If this was Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, or Texas, they said the two highest vote getters are the ones who are going to go to the uh, uh, to the general election then they would have sworn that it was, it was uh, Republican racism that did that. In the state of California, for my listeners outside of California, California has a primary just like they have in other states. However, in their primary, it's not about the Republican or Democrat who gets the most votes from their particular party. It's the two highest vote getters. So it's double counting the deck. So instead of giving the Republicans a say, because of this being a Democrat state, there is no say. Well, there's no negotiations. There's no – it's like, you know, so when this becomes a way of life and other states adopt that 
policy, and, and, and they and they do the same thing as a law, then you're going to have all of the red states, red forever, and the two blue states, New York and California, to say, oh, well, what we meant was, no, you got to be fair if you want other states. We are a part of the United States. And even though I don't always agree with you, doesn't mean that you should not have input. And what I'm also going to say with regards to the millennials, this young man David is a millennial. Millennials think differently than we do. And we have to admit, okay, yeah, we do. All right? So, but if we don't have their perspective and we just do what we want to do, that's like the uh, uh, the adolescent yeah. and, and the parents saying, well, if you don't like my rules, you get out. You're 13, but I don't care. You get out of my house if you don't want my rules. What were you going to say, Rihanna? No, I, this is such a good point. Millennials, people need to recognize millennials are the actual people, human adult people, who have been living with the policies that we have been creating and accepting and voting for or ignoring for decades and suffering the consequences of those policies. We better start listening to them. So, David, what do you think we could do differently? If we were to listen to you, what would you do differently right now? How would you, how would you uh, cure us of the homeless situation in downtown L.A.? Well, um, the first thing that I would do is I would work with the district attorney to prosecute elected officials who misuse taxpayer dollars for personal gain and personal use. Um, I think that is needed. Um, we need to start making an, an example out of elected officials who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and that's um, are, are, that's representing the people. Um, that's number one on my list. Um, well, number two you, is enacting you, policies. Go let, ahead. Me stop you. let me stop you right there, David. We'll just, we'll just put a pin in it. Rihanna? Yes. Who does he sound like? Oh, he he sounds uh, a lot like you, and he sounds a lot like your nephew, JJ. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I just want to make sure it wasn't me. Go ahead. No, no, it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and so after working with, you know, the district attorney and, you know, prosecuting, you know, those who misuse taxpayer dollars, I would then work with, city or and county or elected officials across the state to come up with policies that actually work, funding programs um, that actually work. You know, we've seen it over and over with Mark Whitley Thomas and Measure HHH funds. You know, he, most of the Measure HHH funds was allocated to law enforcement, um, which was supposed to be, or the Measure H, um, Triple H funds were supposed to be to build more affordable housing in the community Mm -hmm. um, and to provide services like mental health, so on and so forth. But a lot of that money, or the leftover money, was allocated to um, programs that was 
directly tied to Mark Ridley Thomas and, you know, that his family and that his friends um, own. And that's unacceptable mm-hmm. because these programs get the money and they don't do anything in the community. Um, we need to fund um, mental health treatment. We need to fund our mental health services, you know, overall. Um, we need to build, fund and build more affordable housing, and we yeah. need to stop our – to be frank, we need to stop our city planning commissions from selling out our communities, our city. So let me say this. Democrats, you have an opportunity to grow your party. And many times when you have these conventions, you already know what you're going to do before you get there. And it's, it's business as usual. Right. You can't, you can't look at the White House and call it corrupt if all you have done uh, in the time that you have been in control is be corrupt. Take lessons from many it. Of the things, yeah, <laughs> yes, but many of the things that Trump said that he was going to do when he got to Washington, he realized that when he got to Washington, uh, his own party even had certain things he was surprised that you either do it this way or you won't. Now, he has grown into his uh, his power, and I think that he is just now really recognizing how much power uh, the presidency have. because if we roll back time, it was him and others that were saying uh, President Obama couldn't do that. You can't do that. As a president, you, you can't. You have to go to Congress before, and then once you get there, oh, well, yeah, well, well I'm the president. So the same is so with some of the the uh, seats in local government. You have to represent the people, not your own interests, but the people. And if you continue to represent only your interests, um, after a while you won't have the people's support. And without those people's support, uh, more than likely you won't, you won't be uh, because others will come in and they won't want you to represent them. Can I stop you really quick? That's not necessarily true. Um, When it comes to elected officials like Mark Ridley Thomas, Herb Wesson, um, and, you know, Marquise Harris Dawson, because they already established themselves as an elected official in the face of the black community here in LA, they, they're kind of grandfathered in and they can do whatever, or it's not they can do, but they do whatever they want because there's this shield around them. And the, the much older black community has shielded these people to be able to uh, mess, continue to mess over the, the community and the people. And so they're not really serving the people, but they're continuing to run for office and getting reelected and, you know, playing musical chairs, you know, Herb and Marquis. I mean, I'm not going to attack uh, the office holders of our Los Angeles City Council 
and our board of supervisors as an individual, um, particularly because I do support uh, some of them. And my support for them is because of the long-lasting work that they have done in the community. There's no, uh, there's no doubt that I support Herb Wesson, uh, my brother, my brother, uh, who has been in public office for quite some time. When it comes to issues that uh, that arise in our community, uh, he is one that can be contacted. And there are other issues that we have in our community with public officials not being responsive. I do understand what you're saying when you say that we, the older community, protect them. It's not just uh, protecting them. For those who don't live inside the city, um, and for the years that I was gone, I do recognize that many of the areas that were considered black L.A. or South Central L.A. or, um, you know, the, the hood, it's no longer that. So what many people are saying is that until there is a, a devised plan of action, no one's going to give up the seat, particularly to um, another race of people to – being elected over them and not have their best interests. When you move out of areas into other areas, and when I mean when I say that, I mean when you move out of a historical black community and you move into a white community, a upper affluent community, a multiracial community, chances are that you won't be elected to any of the elected seats for years to come, because. Generally, people vote for their own. I mean, it's, it's you know, it you can tiptoe around it, or you can just you can just say it. People generally, if you live in an Asian community, generally when you go to that Asian community, everybody on the city council, everybody on the school board, everybody on the, or at least from that area of the district for the county, they're Asian, and that's across the board. So I get what you're saying, though I don't totally agree with the fact that some of them are, are, are not doing what they're supposed to do. Some of them are very responsive, and we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't even have a voice if uh, Herb and, you know, and some of them wasn't there. Yes, I've heard things about some of the people that you mentioned, but I want you to tell me what you're going to do different. If you were – right now the, the governor has said, that his main priority is homelessness. Tell me how would you take that right now, and since he said that that's his main priority, he spent more than an hour and a half talking about the homelessness in his State of the State address. What would you do with that help coming from the governor to solve our homeless problem in L.A.? Well, um if I had the city council's budget right here in front of me with my – I could do whatever I wanted to do with it, I would employ those people right on, on Skid Row and throughout the city of Los Angeles who is, who is experiencing homelessness, okay. employing them with a livable wage, um, I would say – $20 an hour because that's 
I don't think 15 is a livable wage. $15 an hour is living in L.A. isn't a livable wage. Um, so I would go up and beyond and, you know, stretch for 20 um, employ them to clean up the street, um, offer mental health services, um, and, cert- and all over are, like, I would, like, employ, like, three DMH fans in Spa 6 and Spa 4, um, across the spas, um, where people have that access to um, get treated for mental health and health care or, you know, health-related issues, um, build more affordable housing. Um, L.A. would have been a rent-controlled city years ago if it was up to me. Um, Rent control, um, building more affordable housing, um, making or offering a policy that basically says that developers have to have a certain amount of affordable housing or, or units in their, you know, their apartment complexes. What is affordable? Affordable is not it's, it's, so if you have a one bedroom apartment, so that would be me working with um with my colleagues um who are other elected officials in different offices, um, to kind of come up with a <clears throat> a base price for affordable. Um so for instance if we have a one so for instance, if we have a studio apartment, that studio apartment shouldn't be twenty five hundred dollars. That's not reasonable at all. Okay, so tell me what affordable is. I'm asking you a question. Affordable. So it it depends. So affordable is basically I'm able to pay I'm able to collect my 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 check, my paycheck, cash my paycheck or deposit it into my bank account, pay my rent eat, buy, and take care of the other necessities in my life. Okay. That's well, affortable. I'm going to ask Most you. people in Los Angeles can't do that. Okay. I understand what you're saying, but let me do tell you. Do you want a price for affordable? That's what, I, that's what I was asking for. Because when a person comes down and buy a uh, $280 million building, and they're going to refurbish that building, and they're going to uh, put lofts in that building, and um, they're going to charge $2,800 to $4,000 a month. And you say, wow, that's a lot. Well, in New York, they try double that. And you can buy a one-bedroom for $2 million, $2 million uh, in lower Manhattan. So when they sell their, their, their uh, apartment in New York, for $8 million, they can come to L.A. and purchase a condo downtown L.A. with a sky view for less than $800,000. So when you say you have a person living in their uh, $800,000 condo uh, downtown L.A. 
would he want to live next door in the next apartment to someone who was homeless five days before his condo? That's what the developers are saying. The developers are saying, we're not going to well, come and, and at the end of the day, these are people. I understand. But this, we're we're, I'm not in it to represent the, the, the developers. It's not about you been representing them. I'm asking you the simple question, and this is a question that L.A. has. You, you're not going to get the people who live in that district, uh, downtown L.A., uh, Hancock Park, to put a rent control on properties that they they purchase only for the purpose of having income property. You don't buy a, a, a sky rise and and make it rental so that you could have uh, the the government to tell you what to what prices to put on it. The government has enough money itself that it can build as many sky rises as it want to, and it can charge as less as it want to. That's that's the perspective that you have. See, there's an entrepreneur perspective, and then there's a humanitarian perspective. And though I will listen to the humanitarian perspective and say, yes, I want every homeless person off the streets. I'm not going to tell a person who is in business trying to send their kids to school that they have to uh, eat it and they have to deal with whatever smell, crime, that comes along with society's problem. When there's land right adjacent to where we are that's less than a dollar square foot that we can buy on the city uh, taxes, on the county taxes, on the state taxes, buy it, build it. If they built two hospitals in China in 10 days, Imagine how many apartment complexes we could build in Los Angeles. I agree. I would not say that if you're homeless, you get to tell me what zip code you live in. If you're homeless, if you're homeless and I, I make a place available for you uh, in uh, Lancaster, if you're homeless, if you're homeless, then you don't get to tell me where you get to live. So. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we need to de- we need to fight for the development of more housing, affordable housing. I didn't specify an area. I I'm pulling the other side because when this conversation comes up, because it has come up, I've been at city council when it's come up. I've been I've, I've been there when they tried to write the a referendum for uh, uh, making LA. Uh, 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 a a uh, 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 housing authority put a monitorium on rents. You're not going to get people. People will just move over and go to Orange County. They go to Ventura. They're not going to have the city and the county telling. I remember one time, and I'm going to digress on that issue, when there were people in the Democrat Party, including Maxine Waters, who was fighting Walmart coming into California. And they were saying, no, we don't want them. They're not unionized. They, they, we don't want them. We don't want them. And I kept saying in the meeting, outside of them not being unionized, why don't you want them? No, they're just not a union. Okay. So I'm over that because you don't have to be a union to be a grocery store. 
But what what the old man said was so amazing to me. He told the congressional representatives, he said, I hire more people than the government that you represent have employed. I have more employees than any other company in the world. Yeah. So how do you, who can't even complete a budget on time, tell me how to run my company that I'm already running successful? So I would say to people who are not entrepreneurs, just like Mike did on the stage, when he told all those politicians they were all crickets, he said, I'm the only one on this stage that has built a business. And he didn't just throw the billionaire in their face. He says, I'm the only one that has ever built a business. If you're not an entrepreneur, then sometimes it's kind of difficult to to know uh, some of the problems that go along with it. What I would love to have done, uh, David, is I would love to have uh, USC to uh, open its door as it has done in the past for me and do a symposium allowing the millennials to uh, go over some of these problems. When I'm downtown and I talk to some of the millennials that live downtown, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I frequent there uh, at the Second Street Cigar Lounge. I also uh, love the L.A. Cafe. So while down there, I get to talk to the people that live down there. And they commingle with the homeless very well, just like they do in New York. If they want to give them some money, they do. If they don't, they just keep walking. But when I asked them about them living in their buildings, this one lady, she just shook her head. She says, you know, I love living downtown. I love being able to walk to the store. I love being able to Uber anywhere. And I don't mind even seeing the inhumanity because it's real, you know. She says, but I go to school and I go to work. And I don't like it when people pee in the walkway of the door where, you know, I have to walk through. I don't like taking off my shoes outside of my door because I don't want that to track it into the house. And I'm paying good money. Even though I want them to have a place to stay, you know, if they have mental issues, would you want them staying next to your daughter? I said, damn, that makes sense. We have to recognize that what you said, and I wrote it down, the mental health, employing them, paying them $20 an hour, looking in six and other spas and 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 uh, getting, getting them help and giving them help where they need help. They were pushed downtown. They didn't just end up downtown. They were pushed downtown. Many of the cities that have homeless, they will have their police departments to pick them up and take them downtown because it's, it's acceptable. Um, I would like for young people to really just look at the housing because many of those cities that are surrounding Inglewood, uh, Carson, Compton, uh L.A., these houses were built in the 50s, man. 
you know, we need to build new communities. There's plenty of land, and we're going to build affordable housing for the homeless and give them a place to live. I, I just don't like the old guard attacking the young people. And as I've told you in the past, you attacking them back is not going to change the situation. We've got to uh, come up with fresh ideas that work. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to discuss the seat that you're running for and uh, uh, what you want to do for the for the citizens of Los Angeles. Sorry. Um, so my name is David Cunningham. I'm running. I'm running for Los Angeles City Council in District Nine. Um, I'm running to restore justice, rebuild community, and renew trust in the city of Los Angeles. Um, I am running to get things done. Um, I'm not running as a self-interest candidate um, or someone seeking to fill my pockets, but as someone who is willing and will fight for the people. Um, I'm running to end homelessness right here in Los Angeles and to work with um, leaders across our elected officials across the state of California to find an end for homelessness across the state of California. Um, I'm running to employ more people. Um, I'm running because there's an issue with um, this new way of legalized discrimination, um, which is the um, you must be bilingual, and that's a way, a new way that people are discriminating against the black community, especially right here in Los Angeles. And I'm running to crack down on that. Um, I will fight um, to, you know, make sure that our kids have safe neighborhoods uh, and that our kids have um, a good K through 12 education. Um, I'm running as the people's candidate um, in District 9, um, and I look forward to um, earning everyone's support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you guys have been listening to David Cunningham. Uh, you can go and Google him. He is definitely out there running, and he's a young man that will uh, – be out there in the forefront. He doesn't mind getting out there and fighting, and that's where I've seen him in the front lines. Uh, I'm not having a drink somewhere. But please know that uh, we're going to continue to support and highlight young people that's doing things. Uh, I want to wish you well, David, and we will talk to you on another issue. Back to our Democrats and our Republicans. Uh, we have been trying to do something better, do something different, and um, what do you think? Do you think that the debate was a sincere look at what we have to look forward to, or do you think that the debate was just a bad nightmare gone wrong, gone worse than wrong? Let's look at some of the stuff that was said. So when booty cheeks, uh, <laughs> when booty cheeks was attacking, uh, he was being very. He, uh, he had his both fangs out. And do you think it was sincere? 
what he was saying. Um, I think that one of the things that he was commenting about was um, the woman not remembering the president of Mexico's name. Um, because it was brought up by a by a Latino Latina who said that her friend had did an interview and in the interview the congresswoman didn't remember uh, the president of Mexico's name. I guess if you're going to be a president, you should know the president of the country next door to you. But do you think that the questions that were given by CNN were legitimate questions given to uh, persons who were going to be... <laughs> looked at as, you know, possibly being the president. I didn't like the way they structured their questions, and I didn't think they were very helpful. I think they they wanted to fight. It was like watching a Jerry Springer show. What do you think, Rihanna? Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree with you. But that's, I mean, that's CNN par for the course for them nowadays. It's all a Jerry Springer show all the time, and it also was dripping and uh, just like uh, Mr. Hutchinson or Professor Hutchinson said um, earlier that uh, or, or maybe maybe you said it and he agreed with you that, you know, this was the first debate um, where uh, people of color, particularly African-Americans and policy was even discussed. However, you know, the format was it was a bunch of white folks <laughs> Talking about, uh, you know, talking around, not about, but around issues that touch on things that allowed them to pander to voters of color or African Americans. And, I mean, it's like it was deliberately set up that way so that we could see a bar fight and then a bunch of white folks talking about people of color, <laughs> like they cared. And yet no question – Specifically, as was mentioned earlier, hit on, okay, well, about that, how about the, the, the horrifying um, historical and current disparities in health care, uh, in income growth and wealth and generational wealth and, the, you know, the prison reform bill that was passed? Let's talk about the disparities in that because a lot more rich white folks are getting out of these things. But we still have these disparities, uh, you know, with, with prison, uh, with our criminal justice system when it comes to people of color and African-American folks. None of those issues were talked about. They were talked around and about by white people, a bunch of white people just going back and forth to fight with each other about nothing specific, but you know, allowing them to say the words, oh, I am aware that that is an issue. <laughs> Hear me, black yeah. voters. I'm aware of it. 
I mean, what does that do? Nothing. Nothing. All the African-American candidates are off the stage. All the candidates of color are off the stage. So, you know, that's what we got again. And CNN facilitated it again. And they are responsible for fielding those questions. And yet you're going to tell me that whole audience didn't ask one substantive question. Right. You know, we're, we're no, we're no better than the people we bitch about. Right. And see, that's what I want, uh, people to understand. We can't yeah. allow these companies like CNN to make a mockery of this election and then right. we get in here and in fact, you know, I had mentioned to you that I had found out that he had told CNN this is uh, I mean him I mean Mike uh Bloomberg had said that if they didn't move him on the stage, he would do exactly what Trump did, which is to go to another station, another network, and he was gonna have a rally or, you know, answer questions yeah. for now. So of course he's got his own network on. he can go to. Right. So, they, so, so then they um, they let him on and then they sabotage him. We're gonna ha- exactly. we're gonna have we had um, Pastor Chuck Esters here, uh, a mover and a shaker, but more importantly, he is a pillar of the community of the great city of Compton, and he's one of those ministers that don't allow just anybody to get up in his pulpit and run for public office. And he doesn't always end up on the side that, you know, these, these uh, staunch Democrats have been on. Uh, so I've always had a great relationship with them and we've been in the forefront together. Uh, Pastor, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. You know, I, I wanted to have you on because I had a, a gentleman that asked about you the other day and I said, Oh yeah, I just talked to the pastor. And we were just talking about how uh, these people are, you know, running to the black community now that they've got all the black people off the stage, even though I had my issues with Camilla Harris uh, for what she did and how she did it and even running. But mm-hmm. now that all the blacks are off the stage, um, you know, everybody wants to discuss <laughs> the black community. And mm-hmm. particularly what was done to the black community Years ago, even though they don't have a history of being the ones that was fighting for the black people. I can see if they said, hey, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, you did stop and frisk, and I've been fighting against stop and frisk for the last 10 years, and, you know, no. They just want to attack with whatever they're, you know, did you do this? You know, what what did you do? And Mm -hmm. what do you all do? You know, what did you think about the debate? Were you able to watch the debate, Pastor? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, um, I just think uh, the nomination really probably is just about over. I don't think anybody can gain momentum to beat Bernie. And uh, no matter what they do. Uh, But I think as far from um, at the convention, I think there will probably be some effort to, to stop them. So, um, it's going to be really very interesting. Well, uh, if he wins the, in my opinion, I'm just saying, uh, if he wins the nomination, I can say that he's going to lose the election. I can't. Well, I, I, I can't can, see him winning. I mean, I, you know. I, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't see him winning. I mean, if the Russians if the Russians are working to push him, 
then, you know, that ought to give you some pause. <laughs> well, you know, I, I keep – okay, so we were talking about they say. So I said to Rihanna, I said, well, who is they say? And I said, well, maybe it's the Russians. Well, if the Russians, if they find out the Russians are helping him, mm-hmm. and he'd been knowing about it for a month, and he kept quiet, as soon as he heard that they was helping him, he should have came out and said, hey, they yeah. helping me. <laughs> mm, I think he's long. He's no longer than a month. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's no longer than a month? He was sleeping a month ago. Win. Yeah, well, yeah, but I I think it was clear before then that they, they were uh, was getting some help. Yeah, absolutely. So if he would allow them to help him and not say anything about it, what would happen if he became president? Would he do just like Trump and, and, and you know? Well, I don't know. You know, it's just so murky now. I mean, it's just uh, they're just really good at what they're doing. Well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm going to be the first to I'm a little confused, Pastor, so maybe you can help When I was growing up in Compton, I was going to school, I was over at Benjamin O'Davis, I think, and we started hearing about, you know, what was going on with, you know, um, in the world, you know, and uh, I believe that it was uh, when I was in high school and Reagan had uh, made Gorbachev take down the wall and and he told mm-hmm. him about Star Wars and scared him about Star Wars and and the Russians hated us and we hated the Russians, you know. And yeah. I remember the commercials would come on on the TV and I remember they said, they have this many planes and we have this many planes and they have this many missiles and we have this many missiles. Help the government. And, I mean, and people was actually sending money. So I was getting ready to send some money. My daddy said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to send some money because he said, I don't need you to send no damn money. You know what happened to the last nigga to send some money to the government to buy a damn uh, ship? I said, no. He said, you going to school and you don't know nothing about that? I said, no. He said, well, he said, Joe Lewis bought them them MFs three or four <laughs> And they sent the IRS after him and made him in the pan. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you put that damn phone and you they don't need no damn help. We're paying enough mm-hmm. help with our taxes. So mm-hmm. later on, when I got a little bit older, I found out that my dad was, in fact, true, uh, was right, that Joe Lewis had gave uh, two of his purses, all of the money, the whole purse, boxing purses, uh, to the United States Navy to buy ships. Mm-hmm. And after he did that, you know, they wrote about it in the newspaper and they talked about it and the IRS went after him and said, you wasn't supposed to give our money <laughs> to the United States Navy. Mm-hmm. You got to pay your taxes and then you can give your money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's a right that I would like to see a wrong that I'd like to see right it. But getting back to, to, to this thing that's going now, how can we have Russia as an enemy and know that they're trying to control our government? And when I say that, I want to say this for my Republican friends that's listening. 
Uh, Trump has advocated for Russia to be brought back into the G9. He's advocated for them to be brought back to the United Nations uh, Security Council. He's advocated on several occasions uh, for them to even be allowed to come to the United States when they had the uh, upcoming G9 meeting. And even Republican legislators says it's inappropriate. Once you suspend it, you know, uh, you don't advocate for our adversary to be coming to a meeting. But he say they're not an advocate. They helped me find my wife. No, but uh, Pastor, <laughs> two of them. Yeah. I, I know you read between the lines of the Republican Democrat BS. What do we do right now uh, to save our community? in the midst of all of this wave of BS either side? Well, you know, it's going to be interesting. What really is going to be interesting is no matter who wins the election, and if it's Trump, it's going to be, uh, we agree, we probably agree it would be him, but just what happens, and if it's Sanders, just what happens to the to the party, I think you got to wait because there's just going to be some bloodletting. Well, that he's been allowed to do that. And I think what happens is that we have to really look at where we are in the party. I don't. I think the day is over. We can give 80, 90% to one party. Well, maybe that's, but maybe that's what we need to do. By the way, Johnny Morgan, who uh, uh, is the president of the CRA, uh, he knew your dad real well. He brought yeah. uh, a couple of people to the church. Uh, he yeah. was uh, Bruce uh, McPherson. Uh, uh-huh. He didn't tell you hello. We're oh, going to be in prayer breakfast, and I wanted to invite you. Uh, we're looking for some good ministers to to uh, uh, honor uh, and to, to breathe a little bit of attention on that are doing a great job and doing what ministers and pastors are supposed to be doing. We have mm-hmm. some that 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 get mixed up and confused. I had uh, Earl Flurry Hutchinson on earlier, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we were talking about the churches, letting these people come in their church and uh, talk to their congregations. And after elections, you know, you never see them again. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say to the people, but I said I know I know one pastor don't let them do that. <laughs> no, I, I I think the people don't want really want it anymore. They you know they they've seen too much of it. Well, uh, if it's so they they don't want to be bothered. Yeah, if they're sincere and they want to work with the yeah. clergy to make some changes, then uh, you know then so be it. Now, now I have to say, one who is always around, he's throughout the year is uh, Mike Gibson. I have to give it to him. You know, yeah. Mike comes. Comes, you know, periodically. He just doesn't show up at election time. So yeah, Mike is a, he's a preacher himself. Mm-hmm. So he, him and the little brother over in uh, in Carson, you know, I, I, um, I'm hoping that the Democrat Party will, will open up, and listen to some of these young millennials, because well, what's that, what's going to happen is I, I really think. If nothing else, you you see how committed these kids are, and he and he's grabbing black kids too. I mean, you know, yeah, people. This generation is not economically secure as previous generations, and what they see and what they're being told is gloom and doom. So, 
Right. They're in the mind. Why why hold on to the status quo? I mean, it's killing us. The earth is dirty, the the government's corrupt, the money's funny. Right. They they having struggles to, to get launched. Um, well, they're willing to throw the whole thing up, blow the whole thing up. And well, uh I think you I think this is something that's just gonna really push the country. Well, um, this is what I want to say going to happen. What's going to happen is Bernie is going to start a war in the in the uh, uh, Democrat convention. Yeah. But Bloomberg is going to pay for justice. <laughs> He's going to pay for justice because to me it doesn't matter what uh, the Democrat Party do at this point. If Bloomberg got enough money, if he say write me in, he can write in and beat. Sanders to yeah, him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And Sanders, all I'm going to say about old Sanders is, old Santa Claus, you had enough time. You you can't tell us how you're going to do what you're going to do because you ain't going to do it. But you know, most people just saying just let him get it, let him do it because he's going to die in the universe. He's going to have a heart attack. He lied about mm-hmm. a heart attack on the uh, 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 stage last week. But I'm going to say mm-hmm. this, not wishing him any harm. I'm just going to say, Bernie, if you Really wanted to do it, you should have did it 20 years ago, 10 years ago. You know, now that you're on your last leg, you want to come and do all these social programs. Wonderful. Wonderful idea. Now move over and let's get this work done. Um, all those individuals need to go back to this and do their job. Uh-huh. Mike doesn't have a seat, so, yes, he should be able to run. He's spending his own money. And he's throwing money around to the right people. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, it, you know, let him spend. And then, like he said, he could buy uh, Trump two or three or four So mm-hmm. let them try so you think out. you think Mike is going to be the uh, Bloomberg going to be the nominee think, when it's all said and done? If he's not, there would be, there would be uh, uh, a riot at that Democratic convention because people realize that. Sanders may be able to galvanize people, but he's not going to win. The, so it's like sending a dead man to a damn drag show. It's not going to happen. So well, we did it. We did it before. You well, know, that was George McGovern. We did it before. Well, I'm going to tell you this: yeah. if, if 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 Mike continues to spend the money like he's spending. And run his campaign like he's running because he's not running his campaign, an orthodox campaign. He's telling them I'm not even showing up in places. He's coming in third. He, you know, people are writing him in. He's not even going to be mm-hmm. on the back. So he has much more momentum. If it were me, I would tell him don't go to the next debate because he lost some ground going to that damn debate. He's not good at debates. He's not good at debates. And the debate is no more than just a a, a pistol fight, you know. It's no more than a pistol fight. So uh, I'm not sure who's Mike listening to, but Mike, if you're listening to the show, I can tell you, call him back and tell him you're not going to show up at the next debate. (laughs) That you will be doing your own town hall meetings with people that work for you, because clearly Mm -hmm. those people from CNN don't work for you. And the questions were, to me, I think they were uh, they were misleading, and all of the questions that were to him were hostile questions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the mm-hmm. other people, you know, they're not listening. 
They've taken over the mic, and then when you don't do it once and do it twice, you tell them no. Uh, uh, instead, no, no, I, I, I need to, I need to address this. Okay, let me address it. You know, and I, I feel bad for Biden because you know this is supposed to be his time. But unfortunately, no, they both he's too old. It is bad. Yeah, yeah, it is what it it's is. Over. Yep. And booty cheeks. I'm sorry, I just can't. You know, <laughs> put booty cheeks in. Uh, a lot of people might have issues. Uh, with me saying that, but you know, booty cheeks. I think that you could be a good governor somewhere, but having you as the president, I'm just saying. As soon as Trump asked the question, "Who's gonna clean those shitty cheeks?" <laughs> those shitty sheets, they got to throw them out every time him and his his husband go to bed, mm-hmm. and everybody in America was gonna say, "Oh my God, oh." See, he's not even capable of dealing with a vulgar man like Trump. Trump mm-hmm. going to turn all this thing right. Like when he's telling me, he say, well, he's trying to have sex with a man in the butt. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to say, I bet you don't find no man I sexually harass. He's mm-hmm. going to humiliate him on stage because he has no filter. Mm-hmm. And that young, that young mayor doesn't even know what he's dealing with when he's dealing with Trump. No, hell no. Hell no. The only one that can deal with him and fight with him is Bloomberg. Now, I'm going to tell you, you know, when he's about stopping, so he'll be able to look at Trump and tell Trump the truth and fight with Trump. But the rest of the people, because he don't know how to hit them. See, it's like fighting a family member at the family reunion. You know, now you, I told you to stop cussing and I told you to stop drinking. And you can be you know, grandma over there, I'll bust you in the mouth, but I'm going to sneak mm-hmm. you to the back room to do it. You know, he, he don't know how to do that. So. Well, is there anything you want to say before we close? We're going to close. We got you in the last hour of it. Well, glad to talk to you. Uh, everything's going all right, though. Okay. I'll be giving you an update on the airport. And, uh, by the way, I want to tell you, thank you for allowing your son to serve on our board. Uh, we are so excited. Uh, we've been asked, when are we going to start up? When are we going to take over? When are we going to? We're going to do it when the law says we can do it. But when we do, we're going to have young people like your son uh, at the helms making sure that we draw more young people in and move, move things forward. That, so, that was a, that was a, It's an excellent program. I just hope that we can get it back going. Well, we have the support, so we're going to make sure we do. Uh, Rihanna, I want to thank you for being a great engineer and sister. Take us home. Take care. The homeless is still homeless The poor is still poor Yet we find billions of dollars To fund senseless war And yes, we're fighting terrorism What about the quiet racism Dividing among ourselves Somebody's crying for help Heaven is listening Heaven is watching Heaven knows And they may not play this on the radio 
Cause the devil don't want you to know If we don't stop the hypocrisy The nation will lose its soul Then rather play music about money and sex Like we don't have no intellect Somebody need to show some respect Cause God ain't through with us yet Heaven to listen Heaven is watching Heaven knows 